Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Tula Tacos and Amigos in downtown Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Maida, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business, Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. What's the future of the Louisiana worker? What a loaded question. Sometimes we get so caught up asking about the future that we forget that it's already here. Chew on this. In 2020, mining for oil and gas counted for around 1% of Louisiana's GDP. That's down from around 10% a decade ago. Okay, so what's my point? Well, um, Louisiana has been at a pivot for a long time, and we often talk about uh, this change in terms of economic output. But the real question is, what happens to our workforce? And don't count out innovation and manufacturing. And my guests today have both grown businesses while emphasizing local recruitment. Missy Rogers and her husband Scott founded Noble Plastics, which manufactures all kinds of custom plastic molded products for a range of industries. And you visit their facility in Grand Coteau and you'll find robots, whirring, and a few dozen highly specialized employees. Noble's Edge is taking both design and manufacturing in-house. And they don't just make things, they make the things that make things. A part of the company's line is designing robotic machines and processes for other manufacturers. Missy Rogers, welcome back to Out to Lunch. Thanks so much, Christian. Great to be here. Uh, And here's a blue ocean strategy for Louisiana, digital wallets. Louisiana is a pioneer in allowing residents to digitize their IDs and driver's licenses. Today, more than one million people use LA Wallet. And during the pandemic, around half a million people opted into a feature that allows you to digitize your vaccine card. Uh, My guest, Calvin Fabry, is the man behind that innovation with his company, Invoke. Digital credentialing is a pretty big space outside of state IDs. Invoke has developed a line of commercial verification logistics apps for cargo shipping, inspection services, and even grading those bubble sheet tests that you took with the SATs. Uh, LA Wallet is itself a growing service, and Calvin is actively pursuing Louisiana grads to staff it up. Calvin Fabry, welcome to Alpha Lunch. Thanks for having me. So, Missy, um, you know, just before the show got started, you and I were talking a little bit about a curious balance your business is going to have to face, right? Which is you guys have folks who work in the shop, got to work at the shop because you do design work, some folks who can work from home, right? And so this, I feel like I'm going to be doing pandemic shows from now into the end of the end of the world, but, you know, that's a small complaint compared to somebody like you who's navigating a different kind of balance. So, I mean, what is that like? I mean, is that a challenging thing to have to figure out like hey half my workforce here half my workforce there is that something you're preparing for for the long haul it is something that our people are asking for the the ability to work remotely whether it's because your your kids need a little bit of assistance or you yourself want to be out of the office for your own health or just a more productive work environment so we we get these requests and we're not exactly sure we we don't have a uniform answer for them it is something that I think not just Noble, but other companies will struggle with because of your company culture. Mm. If you need to have people on-prem, you're a manufacturing company, you're, you're, you're cutting metal, you're molding plastic, uh, you're programming robots. Some of those things must be done live, hands-on, wires, tools, and cutters. But a lot of your tech staff accounting staff, even your sales staff can be remote. So do I risk breaking my company culture, all one team, all one mission, 
by having different rules for different people. It is something I think a lot of us are going to have to navigate in the first few years coming out of this as part of the challenges of the Great Resignation as well as other people looking for meaning in their work. So I mean, one of the things that, that, that you guys can do, though, with, because of the nature of the sort of business you have is, you know, I, I read that you can kind of go dark, right? You can operate just sort of nobody on site and the robots do their thing. I mean, I know it's not completely humanless, but I mean, it seems like that would mean this moment, I would think you could argue this moment wouldn't impact you quite as much. Is that a bad reading? Uh, for us, it will be uh, a different than many traditional manufacturers because of the high degree of automation we have. You're, you're correct. Our, our robots can do a lot of the, the manual operation uh, within the plant. But if I think about the region, if I think about the state, if I think about the traditional manufacturing sector, mm-hmm. that includes oil and gas. That includes petrochem plants. And there are remote control systems. You know, if you work in a chem plant or refinery, there's a great deal of automated control systems, monitoring and reporting that guys can operate from within a control room. Mm -hmm. And yet, you still have men and women walking those uh, units in in a factory or in a refinery. And if you're in a machine shop, although you can have robots that load work pieces into a machine and the machine execute a program, you still largely have people doing quality control, packaging, shipping, final inspection. So I don't think you're going to see a wholesale conversion to remote or dark manufacturing. There's an awful lot of infrastructure and, let's face it, safety concerns to remote operation of highly automated equipment, particularly in a cutting environment, right? So there will be some differences in the workplace um, with use of, of monitoring, artificial intelligence, robotic assist on on the more manual aspects of the work. But no, we're not going to we're, we're not in the next decade going to see uh, a conversion, say, that banking or accounting or insurance and sales roles can be. Hmm. So, so, Calvin, I want to bring you in here because, you know, look, um, you're, you, you've built this app that's very Louisiana-based. You, you've made a point to try and recruit locally. But, you know, software development, these kinds of things are sorts of things people can do from anywhere. And it would seem like if you're looking for a great talent pool, I mean, you're expanding it from 4 million people in the state of Louisiana to the world. <laughs> you know, I mean, so why focus on state talent when it could really come from anywhere? Well, you know, it's still a culture game, as Missy said. Um, the culture is very important. We want to keep learning. We have a lot of college graduates that want to be mentored by people in the office. You can only do that face-to-face. You can do some over Zoom calls and and remote meetings, but for the most part, we want to keep those Louisiana graduates here, and part of that is giving them the culture that they want to be in. Otherwise, if you're 100% remote, if you're just working out of your bedroom and there's no culture, there's no benefit of human interaction, guess what you're going to do? Look for the highest bidder. And that's it. You're just going to become a commodity uh, resource and looking for the highest bidder. So we want, we're a quality of life business. We're a lifestyle business, not something we're trying to flip or get big or gazillionaires. This is our lifestyle. This is what we would retire unto doing. Mm -hmm. So the culture is that important to us. Talk to me a little bit about work culture. I mean, I think people throw that word around and I mean, it sounds like something obviously is very important to you in, in cultivating it. I mean, when you're trying to sell that to an employee, 
What yeah. are you telling them working for you is like? Uh, it's like being a consultant. Um, we have a practice just like an attorney, just like a doctor. We're always practicing our craft because mm -hmm. we are a high touch type of business. We don't have customers that add to cart. We have clients that come under our care. So that high touch, high relational, we treat the person before we treat their requirements for their software. Mm -hmm. And that's what Louisiana is about. We're very highly relational, sometimes to a fault, <laughs> to where other people have a hard time even breaking into our social circles. That's mm -hmm. how close we are. But we all wanna make our parents proud, our families proud, our business owners proud. And uh, it's a great place to be here in Louisiana. Missy, I kind of want to throw that question to you, too. I mean, you know, you're bringing people on to Noble. I've visited the facility. I mean, I think it's a lot of fun. Just, I mean, robots are cool, and you get really excited about that. But, I mean, beyond just these are people who are, I assume are already going to be interested in robotics anyway. But, I mean, how do you – what's the culture that you sell to them when you're hiring? I think Calvin really hits it. The, the, the ability to combine – doing work that you love, that is cutting edge, that is technologically based, that is promoting personal development of new tools and new methods, while you live in a place with great food, live music, a community that welcomes you, why wouldn't the tech industry take advantage of remote work by locating here? Mm -hmm. Why pay crazy utility costs, crazy housing costs in all of these big cities. Some people want the culture of a big city. They want to live in a high rise. They, they're comfortable with apartment or condo living. Mm -hmm. People who come here, they get sticky about being here. There is a different culture. We have staff from other states and they, they give us the feedback that, wow, being here is unlike any place I've worked in America. Mm -hmm. It's unlike any place I've been to school. And I can't wait for my family to come visit here. This is a really special, unique place. Mm -hmm. If anything, it's not that remote work is going to jeopardize that. It's going to empower that. Because like Calvin says, a guy that grew up here and thinks, well, I have to go to Silicon Valley. I have to go to Austin. I have to go to Denver. Doesn't. And the people who are looking or are challenging their, their career path, their life path, where are their values, what's important to them, I think as much as of this resignation and workforce challenge is about the work, is about work-life integration and how you do that, this community is perfectly positioned for work-life integration. In the 90s, we had to do that. We had to go to Atlanta, to Houston because that's where the tech jobs, the high tech jobs were. Now Louisiana has so many digital media tax credits, bringing in movie uh, production companies. It's a great place for technology to thrive. Did you have to leave when you graduated? I did, I left and went to Houston. I worked for the oil companies, yeah. but I was a boomerang. Uh, one day my sister-in-law said, why don't y'all move back? And I'm like, I miss my cousins. I would love to come back, so yeah. we did. Yeah, Missy, I mean, I'm just sort of curious if if, if it's just difficult for you to find the people that you need. I mean, you, you keep, you've referenced the Great Resignation, right, which is a much bigger phenomenon. But, I mean, it strikes me that manufacturing historically, you know, that blue-collar jobs, those kinds of things, but there's a level of specialization today in manufacturing that didn't exist, say, in the mid-20th century. And so is it harder to find a, a worker that's kind of put that level of investment that you, like, I can find these people in Louisiana? Or do you need to 
look outside of the state? There, there's a great history of manufacturing in the state, but in the mindset of manufacturing in this state, it tends to be metal cutting to support the energy industry. Okay. So plastics, I'm still a, a little bit different flavor of manufacturing in this state. No reason to be. There are larger issues of challenges in staffing and manufacturing because in the last couple of generations, it's been go to college, go to college, go to college. That's the pathway to success. Factories are dirty, dangerous, and all these other things. Modern manufacturing doesn't need to be that and rarely is that. It's not good business to be messy, sloppy, or dangerous. And so I think there's a good opportunity to attract talent into manufacturing that had been rejecting it um, in lieu of a college education. Now you're starting to see the pushback. You're seeing people with college degrees not able to work in what they studied, not able to pay for the education that they achieved, and starting to question, as I alluded to earlier, I've read many, many articles about how many people hate the work they get up and do every day. What a terrible way to live. I mean, work is work. But if you can't love it, do something else. And so I think a lot of people, whether it was pandemic related or not, is are really bringing that to a head. If I don't find joy in what I do, what is the point of doing it? So whether they're reconsidering tech, whether they're reconsidering where they live, how they live, whether they're reconsidering the joy of creation. Um, I asked this question when I tour university schools and talk to engineers, how many of you want to design? Hmm. Every hand in the room goes up. How many of you want to be in manufacturing? All the hands go down. And I ask them, what makes you think that you're going to be able to design something separate from manufacture. Your engineers, what you make must be built. What you build must be compliant to and, and, and friendly to a human interface. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to work in a manufacturing environment to build your product, to build your dream. Calvin's team gets to build in a virtual world but there's not a lot of meaning there. The meaning, as he's pointed out already, is in your coworkers, in the relationship with a customer, with, with helping their dream become real. Yeah? Yeah, um, I would stress that even in manufacturing and software development, you have to have a balance, not a great ACT score. Don't focus on your ACT score, which only tests the left side of the brain, the numeral sequential side. You have to have a mix of the right side of the brain, the big picture, empathetic, Mm -hmm. uh, the categories that they see. And you employ all of those, even when you're designing manufacturing software. You have to be very creative. You have to be very personal. Treat the person. This is my very best work that's going to change your life. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking with Calvin Fabry of Invoke and Missy Rogers of Noble Plastics. So I got to ask, you know, I was struck that L.A. Wallet was something that Louisiana kind of pioneered. Right? The idea of digitizing a wallet was pretty interesting to me. And, you know, you think about the, the regulatory layers I guess you have to go to, the fact that you have to create legislation to enable this sort of thing. I mean, you talk about being a lifestyle industry, doing something you love. I would think having to deal with the Louisiana legislature is something that no one loves. <laughs> so talk to me about how that even worked. Sure. Well, what they did is they all got in the same room together. We had state police, the Department of Public Safety, the legislators, and 
the general counsel, the law, the legal people, and the Office of Information Technology, all talking about how can we make this work. And the very first thing state police said was, yeah, that's real fancy and all, but I will never touch their phone. Why not? Well, they're going to accuse me of cracking their screen or going through their personal effects. I don't want to have that liability. Fine. We, we built in hands off. Well, that really came into, <laughs> into practice with COVID-19. Right. You know, you don't have to touch anything. You can vote with it at the Secretary of State. Um, and there's just so many hands-off innovations that have come by the collaboration of all of the departments of the state. Mm-hmm. I mean, why did they go for this? And why is it that other states don't really seem to be going for it, at least as quickly? Um, Louisiana, there is a standards committee. Uh, an ISO standard where all of the digital driver's licenses are going to be compatible with. Mm-hmm. And, and LA Wallet is in that group. Mm-hmm. But we decided to step out up to three years ahead of anyone else right. because we had so much buy-in from the various departments of the state. So, so I find it odd just to hear a, a, a case in which you know, Louisiana government entities just sort of firing on all centers and working together. So, so how does this actually work from a business standpoint? I mean, like it's a free thing. I download it. How do you guys get paid? Well, right. There are some commercial aspects of LA Wallet of verifying uh, your vaccination card, for example, if you're a large company and there's a mandate. Well, now I need to, how can I reliably uh, let my employees either report their vaccination status or their negative test status. Mm-hmm. How do I allow people to travel to do their jobs reliably mm-hmm. when there's so much fraud? You know, there's fake vaccine cards. We've even heard stories of people getting vaccinated twice because they lost their card. Don't do that. We, <laughs> we, we'll take care of you there. So I really appreciate our, our governor who said, you know, this is going to be purely optional. You know, and we employed some other principles, purely optional, nothing extra. We don't download anything else. We don't keep any copies of your vaccination records. It either lives on your device or at the Department of Health, nowhere else. And single use, you're in charge of when it is used. We don't use that information for any other uh, reason besides your use. So, you know, Missy, this is interesting because I know you guys have done some defense contract work, right? And if you visit Noble Plastic, I, this was several years ago, I had to sign basically a form, you know, <laughs> saying that I was a U.S. citizen the or something that effect. Or, part, yeah, check saying yes like, so I wasn't going to steal citizen. this and deliver it to the Chinese or something. So I, 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 I guess I'm curious, like, how does that impact your ability to actually recruit workers? I mean, like, do, does that actually create an extra layer where you're having to say, like, I got to vet people to make sure that they can work for the federal government? I mean, what happens there? Well, technically, in our state, all employers are supposed to register new hires with E-Verify, which is a federal database that confirms that your Social Security number belongs to a real person. Uh, So it's not an extra layer, really, uh, that's cumbersome, but we certainly have lost out on some very talented candidates who did not have a, a, a citizenship status that we could employ. Huh. Yeah. So, I mean, you said the e so that, that's interesting because, like, it, it almost feels like, again, go to this remote work thing. Like, how does that system work if people work out of state? I mean, in this sort of idea that people, like, you know, I don't know to what extent Louisiana's doing this, but you have programs where the concept is, well, I work out of state, but I'm sort of like a digital citizen of Louisiana or whatever. I mean, is that even possible with so, e So, Calvin, don't, don't let me go down in a, in a ball of fire here by not knowing what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. But... I think you'll end up on remote work were you to do things that are controlled or uh, secret that you would end up with 
multi-factor authentication, right? You'd end up yes. with a dongle issued by a company that's been vetted, and yeah, there's going to be physical controls as well as virtual controls to that access. Yeah, and, and we, we don't outsource anything. All, everything is done in Louisiana by Louisiana graduates. We do have that, they have accountability to us. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's kind of scary when you outsource uh, an autopilot software for a jet, you know, <laughs> to a country that you don't know where it is. I really don't want to fly on that on that plane. I really don't trust that. So let me throw out a hypothetical here because I feel like we're, we're we're going in this direction anyway. I mean, so the upshot, right, of remote work in some ways is okay. Well, you can get an employee from anywhere. A person can live anywhere, and they work from it. If you're making a commitment, say, to uh, employing Louisiana graduates. Well, what about a Louisiana graduate that like moves away and wants to work for your business? He says, "Look, look, I went to UL. I got a degree in data science, but you know what? You know, I, I moved to Minneapolis, right? I mean, is is that something that's still satisfying? That is that a would that work for you? That's always the risk when you when you train people, and we're very active in the colleges to try and mentor and shape the curriculum and yeah. have people stay here. But yeah, there there's a risk that they leave." Um, hopefully, we've provided the right kind of environment, Missy and I, to where they think that our place is the best. Now, with software developers, we're mostly introverts. Mm -hmm. So throw the pizza under the table, under the door, yeah. you know, and I'm let so us just work. I'm so glad you said that because I would have said the same thing. <laughs> when we went remote, everyone was like, yes, we're working from home. Yeah. So we did shave a lot of drive time. We actually became more productive. Yeah. But we're in the office about two and a half days a week now okay. uh, for that for that uh, efficiency and the culture balance. Yeah, I wouldn't want to cast aspersions, but uh, yeah, I'm glad you said it so I didn't have to because <laughs> I often refer to the programmers and the engineers as, you know, they really just want to be left in their cage and slip some pizza under the door. Yeah. Most of our Myers-Briggs scores start with I. <laughs> they do. So, I, you know, a guy posed this question to me not long ago. He, he was doing a documentary or he's working on a documentary about what he says is Cajun business. When he first pitched this to me, I, I, I didn't quite know what he meant. But, but then in, in talking to him, what he was talking about was sort of the relationship between cultural identity and enterprise, like the way that like, you know, so he had this idea about, you know, maybe he was romanticizing it, you know, Cajuns out figuring out how to make crawfish boats and stuff like that. And that says something about how we work in industry. But it's interesting to me, you guys are talking about, you know, work culture, but we're accepting this idea that people have been working in different environments. And I guess from your perspective, it's like, if there's something unique about working in Louisiana or, you know, Louisiana work culture is like, is that in danger of changing? Like that, that bit of, you know, the extent to which people say, well, I'll put some duct tape on it, we'll fix it together, we'll make this work, right? That spirit of sort of cultural innovation, does that go away as we sort of become a very different type of work environment? Missy? You, you're shaking your head, no. So I don't I, think so. I think, I think who you are and what you value um, helps you find the right place to be. And by and large, the Cajun people, a South Louisiana, I, I could almost say a Gulf Coast resident, uh, culturally has a very resilient, creative outlook on the world. I mean, storms come through and we pull together and we make it. We eat whatever we can catch, crawl and crack open. I mean, you know. We, we are the test case. A lot of companies from up north, New York City, they come to Louisiana to examine our data centers because we have gone through the disasters. It's mm -hmm. not hypothetical. So they learn a lot from our resiliency 
in in Louisiana. So, I mean, is it really different though? Do people you talk about we you know. Uh, how did you put it? Do we crack things open like the way that we've been <laughs> stitching things together? I mean, is that really unique to Louisiana? I, I, I think that we have uh, such a laid-back uh, culture that that liberty and that innovation happens within that blank space, mm-hmm. that idle time. We're not run, 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 run 100%. Mm-hmm. The, the innovation and the creativity comes in the gaps. It comes when we're walking around the block, when we're having lunch when we're at a festival, when we're, when we're offline. Mm-hmm. So if you're online all the time, there's, there's not that room for the creativity. I mean, Missy, I gotta imagine that, you know, when you guys are designing systems for other people, you get a, you get a view of what these other work cultures are. What is different about, you know, if you're developing robots for, you know, a company in the Midwest, I mean, how are they really treating their workforce culture any differently? It's a little bit of a hokey thing, but if you call our phone number, it says, Hold, and one of our friendly staff will be on to assist. And I've had clients and vendors from other parts of the country kind of laugh when I pick up the phone and they say, oh my God, it's really true. Y'all are just friendly. One of our early mission statements was to make the product realization process pleasant and profitable. Everybody's driven by profit, but how much more does it say about you if you want to be a partner with someone, if you want to make this whole process pleasant, come on guys, yes, we know the numbers have to play, but don't you wanna work with people that you trust? Don't you wanna work with people that you enjoy having a drink after celebrating uh, a project well done? And too many times those relationships aren't put at a premium in other parts of the country. It's profit over everything. And here, I think we have a really good meld of profit, of productivity, of pride. There's a lot of things that um, distinguish us and I think have a certain appeal to people um, because we're still humans. We're still trying to work with each other and not just interface with a screen. Yeah, we say that profit is a means to an end. It's not the end. When you go into, I used to go into large companies where their mission statement was to had to deal with return on investment. It had nothing to do with satisfying the client. So, Yeah, I mean, it just feels like, Katie and in general, I mean, built on the idea of relationships. I mean, <laughs> who's your know, how, who's, who do you know? How, how's your mom and them and all that? And, and it, it, it's interesting to see how people express that, right, out in the culture. And, um, you know, certainly things are always going to change and, and trying to find some foundation that sticks with you is really important. Um, so I guess there's a reason to be optimistic that the little piece of Acadian will sort of always survive no matter the way our workforce has changed. So uh, thank you guys both for, for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Enjoyed it. Thanks. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, my guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana have been Missy Rogers of Noble Plastics and Calvin Fabry of Invoke. We, in- we edited this show to fit in the time slot here on KRBS, and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Missy and Calvin and what they do by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast, which you can find on your podcast app and on our website, acadiana.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from the show on itsacadiana.com and on our social media. Those photos were taken by Astor Morgan, and you can find more of his work at astormorgan.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by Aaron Thomas, and our associate producers are Molly Richard and Jan Risher. 
Our researchers are Claire Como and Leah Erdialis. I'm Christian Mader, editor of the Current Lafayette's nonprofit source for local news. And for more local news and commentary, head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our newsletter. I'll see you here again next time for more business and conversation on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Tula Tacos and Amigos. Tula Tacos and Amigos offers street-style tacos, margaritas, and an open-air courtyard on Jefferson Street in the heart of downtown Lafayette. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 